When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. This podcast presented, as always, by our friends Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. A big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions. Free estimate by calling the 865-524-5888 or visiting Exterior Home Solutions online, exteriorhomesolutions.com. We got a lot of questions to get into here on this Thursday edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Uh, Tennessee defensive questions, third Saturday in October. Maybe a Joe Milton question or two. We'll have to see. Uh, but right now, we got tons and tons of preview content for Tennessee and Alabama, tons of recruiting content podcasts, videos, all that and more at VolQuest.com. Brent Hubs, where this week only 50% off your first year annual subscription to VolQuest.com. Yep, it's a great time to check us out. Tons of great content, tons of great conversation. Obviously, a lot of heated debates going on right now, but uh, Tennessee heads to Tuscaloosa for the third Saturday in October. And, when, and what is a big game and a big opportunity for Tennessee uh, to do something they haven't done in a long time, and we're going to cover every angle of it that we can, as well as full basketball coverage, baseball coverage. We got it all going on at Fall Quest. It's not just for this week. We do this every week. We do it year round. So you want to be sure and check us out. It's a great time to jump on board and join us uh, for the next year because it's a great deal going right now. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag. We'll start with Jay Balls ninety five. What's with Wright's usage, Jalen Wright? Why does he keep getting taken out of the red zone? He's been our best offensive skill player. Why aren't we giving him 20-plus touches in every competitive game, Austin Price? Hubs is, Hubs is tapping, baby. And that's what Jalen does. He, he, he runs them down inside the 20. And then a lot of times he's tapped out this year, Hubber. And, you know, kind of Dylan Sampson comes in, and, and, you know, that's why he's got a Vulture. few of those vulturing, vulturing touchdowns that he has. Um, but that's kind of the reason. It's not that Tennessee wants him to come out. It's that Jalen takes himself out. You know, you, you watch those, you know, a lot of those drives, you go back and if you go, if you went back and watched the first handful of games and watched a lot of those drives, he would run them down in there and he would tap himself out. And then here comes Dylan Sampson in the game, who is the guy who spells either Jalen or Jabari Small. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jalen Wright tapped himself out early in the Texas A&M game um, that, down there. I mean, he was, I don't know, three or four carries, five carries into the game. He had had a couple of runs where he had drug some people and everything else and he tried to tap out of out of the, the game and they left he him did. in left he him did. in he did. come on dude You're my favorite me. was south carolina like the first drive it was squirrel white tapping and tennessee's like who else is gonna play stay in <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right so that that's the biggest thing it's not a hey we don't want him to score type deal or or you know, we're changing up because we want different personnel out there. Now, that, I mean, there's a couple of times they've wanted different personnel on the field, but it's ultimately Jalen's, you know, doesn't feel like he's at full tilt right there and, and you know, asked to come out of the game. 
Let's go to Doolittle Vol. This is an interesting question, Rob. Would last year's Tennessee team win the conference this season? I mean, that's an unanswerable question almost, but you got that this defense with last year's offense. I mean, I, who knows how things would go against Georgia, but man, I, w- I would like to see it with the way they're, I mean, you know, that, that was, you're talking about a secondary to give it 290 yards a game last year. You know, a pass rush was, was decent, but not, not this, not, not what we're seeing right now. And, and I mean, the secondary legit, and I don't know, we're only halfway through the season stat, you can bend numbers, but they're, they're giving up almost exactly a hundred yards less per game through the air. That's, that's that's pretty significant. So I, I don't know if they win the conference or not, but man, it would be. I, I think they go toe to toe with Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, with where the conference is this year, it feels like it's down. You don't have quarterback play. You know, if Tennessee's got Hendon Hooker and they've got that team last year and this team's, you know, in, in the conference setting right now, it, it's hard to believe that that Tennessee. I mean, they're five and one, and they're not very. You know, they haven't been very dynamic on offense. So. It's hard to sit here and say they wouldn't be six and zero, even if defensively they were where they were last year. What quarterback have they played other than Rattler w- would be a, a guy that just absolutely you know kind of scares you to death right now. So um, you know, I think it's just I think it's a different year in the league because of the quarterback player lack of it across the conference. Let's go to recruiting questions. Stackens fourteen says any update on Cameron Sparks after his visit this weekend. Also, do you guys have any idea when Jordan Seaton is planning on committing somewhere? And is our staff in contact with Terion Grant, 2025? So, Austin, let's start with Sparks, then go to Seaton, and then Terion Grant. Um, Sparks, I, you know, did not talk to Cam. We talked to him so much, um, you know, that, you know, you just kind of let him bring like not that much changes from you know week to week. So you kind of, you know, got to have it spaced out a little bit. Tennessee's right there, Georgia's in play as well. Um, but you know, Cam Sparks has been up here so many times that. You know, Tennessee will be in the thick of that one till the end, if not the favorite. Um, as for Jordan Seaton, um, as far as commitment, I, I still think you're looking at December. I mean, he's going to take an official to Tennessee in November. He's going to take an official to Ohio State in November. He's at Oregon this weekend. That one looks like November to me, or uh, December to me, sorry. And then the Terry on Grant to Tennessee is recruiting him, yes. Let's go to Nashville 94. Brent, Josh Heupel will be in year number four next year, and it sounds like unless – Tennessee brings in numerous transfers. That's going to have some serious depth issues. Why is this the case? Uh, year three, and it seems like once a player goes down on the offensive line at tied in at wide receiver, Tennessee is in trouble. Uh, does the, is the recruiting board not big enough? Uh, is it the incident of Blake Cloud? Like, what, what's the issue there? Hey, Hubbard, what was the common theme of all the positions he just named? Offensive side of the ball. Offensive side of the ball. There yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that. Um, I think that their board needs to be bigger. Um, you know, I think from an offensive line standpoint, they've got bodies. Where's the development of those bodies that they have brought in the last couple of years? Um, I think they're light in numbers at the receiver position. Um, and I think they've been light at the tight end position since Josh Heupel's gotten here um, in terms of numbers. And we're looking, I mean, every year he's been here, it's basically two tight ends, and you, go, you better hope they don't get anybody hurt. It's kind of been the feeling at the tight end spot. So I feel like they've always been playing catch up there. They've got bodies on the O-line. Where's the development of that bo- of those bodies? Critical offseason for those guys. And, you know, you're going to have to do some work in the portal. And then the receiver spot, I don't I don't think they've recruited enough people uh, overall, you know, when, it, when I look at the, re- at the position. Now, they had numbers that they were dealing with. 
Okay, they had to manage numbers, and they were so depleted defensively that they had to really go heavy defense to, to build that roster back up. Um, they've got to they've got to do some things on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and again, part of it's the development in the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the overall room, the offensive line has a ton of bodies, mm-hmm. a ton of bodies, but it's just not you know guys that are able to help them. Not at this point, they haven't been able to. Now they've they've had veteran guys in front of them, and we'll see where their development is with some of those guys. But I mean, you know, some of these guys have been in the program a couple of years. I mean, you're on the clock, so to speak. It's time for you to to step up and be able to play, and we'll we'll see where that's at, and we'll we'll know what Tennessee thinks of some of those guys based on how aggressive they are in the portal and how many numbers they bring in in the portal with where they think they are on the offensive line. Let's shift gears here. Let's go to basketball. Rob got a couple here. Um, how did Aaron Rose visit go? Uh, I mean, largely positive. I mean, from every, everything I've heard, I mean, he's, he's a 2025 guy. I mean, nobody ever has a bad visit, but it's super early in the process for him. He's taken a ton of visits. I mean, the only thing I would say about Tennessee is it's, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a nice develop for nice development for them to get him on campus this early in the process. I mean, he's a top 20, top 30, you know, national prospect for, for next year, one of the top point guards in the class. You know, he's from Leak Academy and program where you plucked, you know, a couple of guys out out of the, the past couple of years, Cade Phillips, Cam Carr, um, that, that are freshmen right now. But, um, yeah, good visit, and, you know, we'll, we'll be a dogfight. I wouldn't get too fired up about Aaron Rowe just yet. This is from user handle ETSU Buck, who also equally loves the Vols. I like that handle. Um <laughs> Another one. What, what is Tennessee getting out of Bishop Boswell? Uh, a good, solid point guard. Not not a super, you know, dynamic athlete, but a, a guy with a, you know, really high basketball IQ. He plays under control. Um, good head for the game. Ha- has good size. Um, I don't know that I would look for him to be a, a high impact guy early on in his career. But you know, Tennessee is not going to need him to be. Assuming you know, I, I think Zakai will be back as a, as a four year player. Um, so a very good, solid pickup and a guy who, who's, I think, fits the culture of the program. Any other recruits worth mentioning right now? Uh, not in 2024, no. And then who is shining at practice right now? Shining? Uh, I mean, shining's a, a strong word. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to pump anybody up. I mean, usual suspects. I mean, you got two guys who are you know, voted first team All SEC. I mean, Viscovi looks like he's shooting the eyes out. Zakai is not doing everything in practice right now, but I mean, when he is out there, he, he's not holding back. He, to me, he, you know, I, I don't know that he is actually a hundred percent, but he, he, he looks explosive. He looks quick. Um, he does not look like he's babying himself or, or, you know, or you know, holding back and, and, and worried about being injured. So, you know, I, I'm always looking at Zakai when I'm in the gym, um, Santiago, looks great. Uh, and Freddie looks really good. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what his role is. I mean, especially, you know, was a Kai early weather holding him back is, is Freddie a primary ball handler? How much is he, you know, play on the point, but um, he he's Freddie, Freddie Dillon is going to be a guy that I'm going to be interested to see what he does. Hey Rob, uh, last year you had Josiah who kind of like, they had to kind of manage him because he was constantly kind of had the nagging injury. Where's he at health wise as we head into the season this year? I mean, he's, he's fine, but <laughs> as, as you mentioned, I mean, he's, he's a guy that has always seemed to battle something, but right now he, he's good. Um, 
right now he's good. He's um, you know, he he has this really unique routine stretching wise that he's kind of developed with the, with the strength and conditioning staff with, you know, some people that have done yoga with him. So he's, he's got a pretty elaborate routine that he has to use to unwind his body before he even uh, kind of gets out there in the court. But, but Josiah pays a lot of attention to, to that. And, you know, as a result of, of the stuff he's battled um, throughout his career, the nagging injuries you mentioned, he really pays a lot of attention to, to trying to keep his body right. All right, let's go to Nashville 615. Got a couple of questions here. Uh, we'll run through them. Uh, with Alabama film, uh, with Alabama having film on Golish and, and USF earlier this season, um, will that hurt the offense uh, in a big way, or does it matter? Does Tennessee just need to focus on figuring out its own offensive problems and not worry about that at all, Brent? Well, I mean, they've played Josh Heupel for back-to-back years, so I, I don't, I don't think that studying Alex Golish gives them any kind of advantage or gives them any kind of leg up. I mean, they know, I, you know, we saw the picture of when Nick Saban was on the Pat McAfee show two weeks ago, there was a Tennessee power T notebook on his desk. They know all about Tennessee's offense. They've studied it in the off season uh, the last two years. Um, you know, that they're, there's nothing new that they're going to learn about Tennessee's offense because they played South Florida. And I don't think playing South Florida, does anything to get them more ready to play Tennessee or less ready to play Tennessee. So I don't, I don't think it's a factor at all. Where is Nico in his development, Austin? Is he similar to the situation with the coaches being infatuated with Joe's arm that they started him over Hendon hooker? I, I don't, I don't get that last part. Just where's Nico in his development? Well, what he's saying in the last part is, I mean, two years ago, Tennessee started Joe Milton over Hendon hooker and Hendon hooker clearly was a, you know, was okay, a guy gotcha. who, once they got him on the field, was a really good football was a really good quarterback, which prompted a lot of people to go, wait a minute, how did Joe Milton beat Hendon Hooker out two years ago to be the starting quarterback? Was that just because of Joe's physique and, and physical skill that had everybody enamored? I think is is what he is driving at there, AP. Yeah, I, I don't think you can compare the two from a standpoint of Nico's eighteen and Hendon was twenty two at that point, right? I mean, like there's a big difference between twenty two and eighteen. Not you know I, I get that he had only been here for a handful of months, but, you know, understanding how to work, understanding, you know, kind of how to approach the day, um, you know, obviously knowledge, that type of stuff, um, experience, all that plays into, to, to, you know, account here. You know, I, I think this boils down to, you know, Nico is coming along nicely. They really like Nico. Uh, but at the same time, they don't want to set him up to fail. You want to put him out there in a position to succeed, you know, Brent, you talked about it at the complex yesterday. You know, Tennessee pushed Josh Dobbs out there at Alabama, you know, in what, 2015 or whatever it was, um, you know, and he wasn't really ready there at the end of the game when they, had, you know, just to get a couple of series. They started him the next week because he completed a couple of back shoulder throws and they lost 35 to three, you know. And, and so, like, you, you just have to, you have to make the judgment call, you know, is someone ready? You know, is someone giving us the best chance to win over another player? I mean, Tennessee fans wanted Kamal hadn't bench, and I'll be at first to admit, I, I said at Florida, that effort in tackling was bad. They should move in another direction. That's proved to be the wrong call. He's Tennessee's best corner. Tennessee wanted <laughs> Tennessee fans wanted to move in a different direction at punter after the first week and first pun in the second game. And Jackson Ross is one of the best weapons they have right now. I'm not saying Joe's going to totally flip the script here, but obviously the coaches to me have 
you know, earned the leeway here in, uh, you know, if they believe that Joe gives them the best chance to win or this is the best avenue for the overall team, you should give them that leeway. Well, I think the concern that fans have out there with Joe right now, guys, is that it doesn't seem to be that he's turning in a different, in the right direction. He's turned the football over more the last two weeks than he has at any point in his career. I think those are some of the things that are that are perplexing. What what a coach has to decide is what AP was exactly what you said. Who gives you the best chance to win? You know, right now. Um, and I know there's been a lot of talk all week long about, you know, different freshman quarterbacks in the past. And you started Dobbs and it didn't go well. And you started Peterman and it didn't go well. So there's two examples for people who say don't make a change, right? And then there's Eric Ainge for people who say, hey, play a freshman. And, and Eric was terrific right out of the gate his freshman year. And then everybody brings up Casey Clawson. That was a two and three football team when Casey Clawson got the starting job. Um, that they had lost, They had lost a heartbreaker to Florida on the Gaffney no catch. They lost an overtime when A.J. Suggs threw it 60-something times in the game at LSU, and they got manhandled against Georgia. They had lost back-to-back games and had no footing at that point. And, and so the change made the most sense there. Now, they didn't score 20 points in any of the next three games. They found a way to win it because they leaned on their defense until Clawson got going. This is a different scenario, Rob, where Tennessee's at right now because you're at 5-1. and one. But at the same time, too – if Joe doesn't play any better, you're not going to be six and one. You're not going to be seven and one or six and six and two. I mean, you, you, he has to play better for Tennessee. And that's where this, the next, you know, couple of weeks are going to be really interesting to watch where they are, where this coaching staff is with the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, you know, thing in a nutshell, however, they're five and one, but I mean, me, you, my, my, my little kid next door, you know, knows they're not getting, they're not getting great quarterback play. I mean, you, they just, they just do for a hundred yards in, in an SEC game that they won. And, you know, the quarterback, you know, was not super accurate in throwing for a hundred yards and, and he's got an interception and they played three SEC games. He got at least one interception in every one of them. And none of them were good. You know, none of them were like, Oh man, he just, you know, they just got him. You know, they just, it was just, that could have happened to anybody. I mean, all, all the interceptions, Except for maybe the under, maybe the underthrow to Jacob Ward against South Carolina was, you know, just you're kind of, but everything else was a bad decision. So, I mean, yeah, I mean they're five and one going to Alabama, but also it's, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I understand why fans are like, man, this is, you know, we're, we're just sneaking by. You know, defense is playing great, running back, you know, running game is fantastic, but then fans are like, ah, quarterback play, it's it's legit. Big props to Rob, man. I mean, Dylan and Jackson are away at school. He is mentoring young Phineas next door. He's got him out there, uh, you know, getting those leaves up. Let's go two more here from Nashville, 615. Let's roll through these really quick. Um, AP made the comment, uh, like Kamal had, and Joe could turn it around. Joe's steadily gotten worse since the Virginia game. Is that injury affecting him? What's going on? Also, I don't think – I mean, everybody's dealing with, you know, injuries and, and stuff at this point in the season – I don't think that's the reason he struggled in SEC play, correct? I don't think so. I don't know what everybody else thinks. I just think his mechanics have been bad. I mean, he threw one Saturday that was like off his back foot and like 14 yards to the right. And got got away with it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I just think sometimes his mechanics get really uh, lazy. AP Uh, knocked me out of my chair when he threw that one, when he punched me. (laughs) Was was, Was it like when I 
when I punched you when Gerald Riggs went for 80 at the 2004 SEC Championship? No, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, then the next one, ready to admit that not getting a transfer quarterback to compete with Joe was a bad idea. That was never – Brent, that was – that was Hubbard, never the are thing. You, Hubbard, didn't are you ready to here. admit it? Are you ready to admit it? Ever? I mean, who were they going to get? I mean, no one was going to come here. Who was coming? I mean, who was coming? Listen, and, and I'm not picking on. I'm not picking on him. I mean, Nashville's been talking about this for a year. And look, their quarterback depth's not real good right now, right? You would like to have a non-freshman that you could look at and say, "Hey, if I need to go to him, I could go to him." And and if if my freshman quarterback's not ready, but who in December? was going to come to, 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 to play here? Who in January was going to play? I mean, let's look at the January window in the transfer portal. Here's what happened. Tennessee welcomed the number one player in the country, according to rankings, at the quarterback position onto campus. And the quarterback, who's starting right now, just came off an Orange Bowl MVP performance where every national media talked about, well, hey, they're just plug and play at the quarterback position on this offense for next year. They're not going to basically miss a beat. I mean, I'm on the Joe Milton wagon. I'm driving that train. What quarterback was going to – I mean, do, do we think Sam Hartman was going to come play here from Wake Forest? You know? I mean, who was going to come play that you would say, hey, that guy's worthy of being here? There, there just wasn't that option out there for guys to come here. And furthermore, how do the people on the board know that Tennessee didn't reach out to quarterbacks just to see if they could get some depth and had no takers? Yeah. Absolutely. And with all due respect, again, with all due respect, that's not Gaston Moore on this roster. Just not going to happen. So, I've seen some people ask about that. I mean, that's just that that that's not realistic. In you know, my people see the spring game, man. Like again, it, like you you tell anybody over there. Oh, just, Jack Jansen is an All American. He should play. I'll leave it at that. Like, could he? Could he be a serviceable guy? I, I think so. I think. Here's the thing: Could Gaston Moore win you a game in a one-off? Yes, I do think he could. Could he be a guy that you have to depend on for five, six games? I'm not sure that he's that type of guy. And everybody's gonna go. Well, what about Stetson Bennett? Okay, exception rule. Yeah, Stetson's in the kind of kind of a different area code right there. We got plenty more we'll get into on the second half of this VolQuest podcast edition. But first, uh, a quick word from Mark Packer and our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey, Dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Big thanks as always to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for being the proud presenting sponsor of this VolQuest podcast. We move on now to more of your questions. Let's go to Hendersonville Vol 15 and uh, Houdad Vol, both kind of similar questions, so we grouped them together here. What does the 2024 running back room look like? Which run, which running back is more likely to be on the roster next season? Jabari Small or Jalen Wright? Brent? Jabari Small. Yeah, I mean, I think with the way Jalen Wright's playing right now, I think Jalen Wright sees himself moving on to, to trying to play at the next level next year. Uh, I think Jabari Small uh, is the more likely of the two to return. So that would be Jabari Small using his COVID year. You'd have Kaliba Keith, you'd have Cam Selden, and you'd have Dylan Sampson. And then you'd have uh, you know, some of these freshmen moving in. Yeah, AP, hey, you're not gonna you're not gonna throw your Jabari Small storyline in there. Jabari Small, I put this on the board. Uh, yeah, actually on Wednesday morning when somebody asked a similar question. Jabari Small has got over 2,000 yards now for his career. The record's 3,078. So he's ran for about 370 this year through six games. Let's say he gets another 370 in the next seven. He's going to be about. 600-plus yards away from breaking Travis Henry's all-time rushing mark. Now, again, that's going to be five seasons, but uh, still be a record. Let's move on now to Hubs' favorite handle. I miss Denarius Moore. Can you talk about wide receiver development in this offense? How does it differ from previous coaching staffs and offensive systems? Is it just a different style, or is it a different trajectory? So wide receiver development – uh, for Josh Heifel and his staff. Well, I mean, I think you, I think you feel pretty solid about what Chaz Nimrod's done when he's been thrown in here. I thought he, I thought he, the moment wasn't too big for him uh, last week. He's got to play more physical. I think that's something that that he's learning. He's got to get you know, get guys hands off of him because they're clearly not going to call pass interference very often. It doesn't feel like in this league anymore. So he's got to be more physical there. Um, you know, th- this offense is different in the sense that the, the receivers have a lot to read. There's a lot of route adjustment. Um, it's not just, hey, you're running this route, this play. There's a lot of this is your route tree that you're running this play. It's all based on what, you know, the guy covering you does. You know, it's it's based on where the safety is, where the window is, if it's zone, this, that, and the other. So, I mean, it's it's more complicated at the receiver position than I think a lot of people know. Um, as more than I knew uh, early on, um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, you know, they had part of the development deal is guys don't play till they absolutely have to play them. Right. I mean, we didn't see Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod until the UTSA game where they've made a conscious effort to get those guys some reps. I, I think for development purposes, you got to look at playing more guys. Now, right now they don't have a ton of guys to play. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I know this. he's probably asking this in, in part because of Dante Thornton. Dante Thornton's got to practice more to develop and to play. He's missed a ton of practice time going all the way back to the spring, and I think that certainly has hurt his development. Um, he's got to catch the ball more naturally. The biggest surprise to me on this football team 
probably isn't Joe Milton's struggles. It's probably Ramel Keaton's struggles. That's probably the biggest surprise to me of anybody on this football team in a negative way because I didn't see that coming from Keaton at all this fall. Well, let's go to you for this one. Randy G77, is tempo offense really effective if all you have to hang your hat on is the run game? I know limited. I know it limits substitutions by the defense, but are those substitutions primarily aimed at defending the pass? Um, I would say even if all you have is your run game, tempo offense effective, I'd say, yeah, in my opinion, it definitely is. Yeah, I would say 100%. I mean, no. as long as you're stringing first downs together. Now, if you're going, if you're going three and out, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, bad at running or bad at passing but yeah if you're putting together eight nine play drives and and, and running to play every 15 seconds yes i mean tempo tempo works in my very much so in my opinion yeah and the tempo is designed to hurt the defensive line more than it is any other position on the football field yeah it presents you from getting some packages in there for pass rush situations but you're trying to tax those guys right i mean how many times have we heard rodney garner say once the tank's empty, you can't replenish it during the game. So the more yeah. you get those guys on the field for sustained periods of time, uh, playing at a high tempo, the more you wear those guys out. So yeah, I mean, I, you got Rob's right though. If you're not moving the sticks, tempo is very ineffective. Uh, I, I do have a question on that this week. Um, I, I think we can all agree, and I, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I don't know how many plays per minute they're running, but it, it looks slower this year. Um, going on the road for only the second time this season, Brent. Tennessee struggled. They slowed it down tempo-wise. wasn't what it was at Florida. Um, do you expect a slower tempo, or is it just all about not being penalized and getting that first first down? Something they couldn't do at Florida. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't you don't come off the sidelines into tempo. You got to get that first first down to really get it going and really get going. You know, get and, and the problem they had at Florida was they didn't have a lot of back-to-back plays where there was not a stoppage in play. Right? No. Um, you know, balls out of bounds, takes longer to get lined up, penalty, passing complete, you know, restart, reset the ball, all those types of things have an effect. So uh, I think they want to play fast. I think they wanted to play fast at Florida. I mean, look at the first drive at Florida, right? I mean, when you, when 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 the ball's moving and you're making first downs, I mean, you're sitting there at, at first driving games, they're gonna, they may boat race them tonight if this is what it's going to be. And then Tennessee just kind of bleh, offensively because they made just a bunch of pre-snap penalties, had 10 penalties overall on offense. And um, they slow they slowed the tempo down themselves by shooting themselves in the foot. we got a couple here from Athron. We'll start with uh, the recruiting ones, Austin. I think Kai Bates makes it in before signing day. We'll see. Um, you know, right now, like he's, he's hoping to make it in for the Georgia game. There are other teams that are recruiting him. This is not just a Tennessee or LSU. Is he going to flip? If he does, it's Tennessee. Like, if he flips, it could be Florida State. It could be, you know, one or two more. So, um, you know, but again, this is one you got to pay attention to. Um, but we'll see if he makes it in. Right now, he's saying, he's told both Matt and I, his plan is to make it here for the Georgia game. Um, you know, with, you know, with some, you know, kids flipping around and, and you know, you know, potentially leaving LSU's class, how much does that put pressure on LSU to up the ante to try to keep a Kai Bates? I think that's, you know, that's worth watching too. Daniel Hill camp still divided with UT being the likely common ground. Man, you know, that thing just, it, I think it depends on who's calling the shots, you know? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Daniel Hill really likes South Carolina. I think the family really likes Alabama. I think they both really like Tennessee as a common ground. 
but if one side wins out, it's probably not going to be Tennessee. So, um, you know, again, I, I think that you know he's going to be at Alabama this weekend. He's been to Alabama a lot, um, you know, and while he may prefer South Carolina individually, um, you know, you can't deny that, you know, all the trips to Tuscaloosa kind of, you know, stick out. Uh, let's go here to Rob. Balls win Saturday if Milrow does not scramble for how many yards? How many sacks and QB pressures does it need to be uh, in, in the fourth quarter? Let's go with the first one. Um, Milrow does not scramble for how many yards? How, how many does Tennessee need to keep him in check for for Tennessee to win? I, I don't know how you answer that. I would say, you know, under 50. Just, you know, just – you just can't let him. I, I I don't know what the number is, but he can't have a big game with his legs. And I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, positive yards scrambling, but keeping plays alive while you're, you know, I thought Willie Martinez you did a good job about talking about the challenge. You got to keep playing coverage. You know, when he starts scrambling, when he gets out, you got to keep playing coverage. So what, whether he's breaking off, you know, big runs and picking up first downs, I think it's just his legs in general, staying disciplined in your pass pass rush lanes not letting him break contain because I, I think, you know, personally, I mean, Jane Daniels is great, but if you're just talking about a runner, I mean, I, I think Milrose, you know, maybe, you know, KJ Jefferson's good, but and Milrose, when, when he gets out of the pocket, looks like a, a, a really good SEC tailback to me. Well, he's going to have a lot of fun this weekend. You know I mean? That's, that's what he said. So here's, here's the thing about the yards. It's, it's when do the yards come? Are they hollow yards or are they meaningful yards? Okay. I mean, what I mean by that is if it's third and four, Tennessee's coverage is good, but they they lose contain and he rushes for five yards. That's not a big gain, but it moves the sticks. You know, I mean, if it's third and 12 and he rushes for six yards, who cares, right? Because then it's fourth and six. So it's not about the number. It's about the timeliness, the timing of them and the critical moment does he make a play with his his legs. I mean, that that's the thing that you have to avoid if you're Tennessee. Or if it's third and 17 and he rushes for 25 yards. That's just, yes. it's not good. Uh, and then kind of on that note, does Joe need to be more of a bruiser, Austin, in the run game? You saw some of that in the second half. At least it seemed to have him energized and focused. I know he went out through that interception. But, you know, if things are going badly, I feel like he needs to be, you know, running the football to kind of make up some of the, some of that loss of yardage. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've we've talked about it all week. I mean, I don't know if it's five, it's six, it's ten, whatever. Like design runs, um, putting your head down, you know, getting, you know, the short yardage. And and I'm gonna continue to you know, I'm gonna beat the drum over here. Like like if Tennessee's gonna pack it in tight against these good teams at the line of scrimmage, like Texas A&M or or Georgia or, ten, or Alabama this week, like why they don't do the tush push on a, on a, on a, on the short. You know, third and one, fourth and one. I'll never understand. I mean, you have a guy who's literally six five and is a is a load, you know, from a physicality standpoint. And like, I just don't get why you you turn around and hand it off to, you know, anybody. Why they did it once this year, and they haven't done it again. AP. They they lined up in the full house, and you had Spragans back there. I would rather have Spragans at guard. That's just me. But you had an offensive lineman in the backfield, and he took his paws and shoved Milton forward for a touchdown. So. Why not do it again? I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Tennessee hasn't faced a true runner like they're going to see a quarterback this weekend. Um, kind of talking about that a, a moment ago. How do you play Milrow so you can take that away um, and, and take away their deep shots? Um, how, Rob, how would you play Milrow if you're Tennessee's defense? I don't, I don't do anything 
a, a lot different personally. I mean, I, I mean, than what they've been doing. I mean, Tennessee's been great against quarterbacks. Yeah, he's he's more mobile. He's more of a true runner than you know Spencer Rattler, who I guess is probably the you know the most mobile guy they face. But man, if you look at you know the last couple of weeks, I mean, Arkansas got after Milrow pretty well. I mean, Texas A&M really got after Milrow. So you know, I don't. If I'm Tennessee, the way they've been playing defense, the way they've been getting after the passer, I I don't you know change a lot this week and especially you know i look at what arkansas and, and texas a&m did i mean it, and you know there's some speculation out there that bill rose not 100 percent. maybe he's he's a little gimpy I, I don't know if that's true or not but this his stats as a runner have been going steadily downhill and he's not shaking loose much at all these past couple weeks the other half of this question uh, and we asked this on the rocket top roundtable yesterday so um awesome this is just for me and you because he says take joe out of the equation Somebody's got to step up. Who's going to be that guy? You and I both said, Joe, I'm going to go. I mean, easy answer would be Jalen Wright. I mean, somebody on that offense is going to have to step up and make some plays. I mean, give, give me Ramel Keaton, a guy that has no confidence right now. Get him going early. Feed him the football a little bit in that first quarter and make some plays or two, or at least make the plays that you're capable of making, right? Um, you would love it for it to be Ramel Keaton. I'll go wide receiver, uh, a, a spot in the offense that needs to get going for Tennessee. I'll say a veteran Ramel Keaton. Who would you say? Squirrel White. Uh, I'm going to go scroll white. I, I think that, you know, he, he's the guy that can kind of you know get loose. He's the guy that can stretch the field. Um, you go back to that orange bowl, you know, I mean, the, obviously the nice touchdown catch, but he also hit that deep ball that, you know, set up another one. Um, I'm going to go with uh, scroll white. And that's a guy that they target right out of the gate a lot. Think back to that South Carolina game and, and some other games this oh, season. Florida game. Yeah, Florida game as well. Um, that, that's a good one. That's probably a more accurate answer would be Squirrel White. Last one, two questions from Gulf Coast Fall. They kind of run together. We'll break it up. Two questions. We'll ask them separately. Here we go. The Knoxville media seemed high on Joe and the receivers coming into the season. How was every, how was everyone off, Brent Hubs? Um, I mean, because – I mean, Joey Halsley said two weeks ago that Joe Bilton was playing at a, you know, at, at an elite level right now. I mean, that it's it's coming from it's coming from what you hear inside the building, and everybody loved the way Joe went about his business, the way he worked in the off season. Um, everybody talked about how pretty and and you could see it how good looking of a guy Dante Thornton was. So you just had a guy who was of similar size and similar speed, just win the Bolitnikoff award seemingly out of nowhere and Jalen Hyatt. So you thought, okay, you put in another, that body type at the slot spot and Dante Thornton's got a chance to put up big numbers. I mean, I'm sure we all got spoiled by what they did a year ago. Uh, but, but a lot of it's coming from what the, the narrative that was put out, you know, from people in the building, um, you know, is, is how well, I mean, what would we hear in fall camp? Joe Milton hadn't thrown an interception. You know, and, and he's he's operating at an elite level and, and he's making all the right decisions and all those types of things. It has not translated. I, I still think he's a good practice player. I mean, you talk to everybody over there. I mean, I think he practices really well and does things. It's got to translate onto the field better um, than what it did. Again, I said it earlier. No one saw, no one saw Ramel Keaton struggles coming. Based on what he did last year, the the work ethic that guy has, nobody saw him dropping open touchdown passes. I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to predict that one. Um, I mean, I certainly didn't see that coming. So, yeah, Ramel Keaton fooled me. Uh, he, he totally fooled me um, at, at the receiver spot. 
and then kind of on that note, the second part of that question, again, kind of runs together. Austin, how did the receivers look so well coached and talented last year, but this year they look like they can't get anything to go right? Drops, running incorrect routes, not getting open, not running through the catch, so on and so forth. That's a really good question. Again, a lot of drops this year. I mean, classic example of not, of not finishing your route was Keaton the other day against A&M. We've heard a little bit earlier in the season about maybe the, the receivers aren't helping the quarterback out in terms of the route being running. And then something you pointed out as well, just guys not getting open like you saw last year. And I hear you. Hyatt's a different breed, okay? Like, Hyatt's not here. Cedric Tillman's no longer here. Brew McCoy's hurt now. Um, that, that has something to do with it, but it seems like it's kind of been a 180 a little bit. I mean, I think you answered your question to a degree by just naming all the guys that aren't here or out. I mean, you know, Brew is having a really solid year, I thought, you know, I'm really going to hurt what do you have with one, maybe the one drop. I mean, it wasn't like staggering. He was fine. He was exactly kind of what you were, a year, what he was a year ago. Um, Ramel's still kind of the outlier. Um, and, and I think it's just a confidence thing. You know, I, I, you know, some kids, you know, don't carry a ton of confidence. And when things go one way, it's kind of hard for them to pull themselves up. And I think that's kind of where we're, where we're at with Ramel. I think he's a kind of down on himself and, and, you know, Again, I think that that's translating to his inability to, you know, catch the football and make plays. I think the other thing, too, is is how what we did not, Rob, appreciate. And I know we're about out of time here, but what we probably did not appreciate with Hendon Hooker a year ago is just how quickly he made a decision, how quick he processed his reads to make a decision and balls out of the hands. And, and, and as a receiver – you know, that probably helps you. It's like, I mean, there's a couple of times I thought Joe was late with the ball on Saturday. And I, I think how fast Hendon Hooker operated once the ball was snapped to him in the passing game, I didn't appreciate nearly as much as I should have a year ago. Yeah, and this brings up a good point. We'll get, Hubbard, we'll get Eric to, to do this. We need to look up yards after catch last year compared to this year for first. I mean, just to pile on to your point, just about how – Hendon got rid of it quicker, and I think got it to guys, you know, where they could, you know, were in a position to do something with it after the catch in a hurry. Whereas I think a lot of times with Joe, that you know, that's he, he's holding it, it's late, and you know, defenders are there. And I, I don't have the number with that, but I, I would be interested to see. I bet the yak was was significantly better last year. Tennessee and Alabama, the third Saturday in October. That's just days away. We've got complete preview coverage over VolQuest.com podcast. Uh, we've got video podcasts, we've got matchup piece, we've got Rocky Top Roundtable, we got First Glance. I mean, we got tons and tons of stuff, plus tons of recruiting coverage over at VolQuest.com as well. It is the standard for Tennessee athletics coverage, Tennessee football recruiting and news. And uh, right now, 50% off your first year annual subscription at VolQuest.com, this big game sale. This week only, 50% off your first year annual subscription that is at VolQuest.com. Take advantage of this awesome, awesome deal. And as always, a big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Uh, exterior Home Solutions, East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use your trusted and local source for exterior home renovations. You can get a free estimate at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. For Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.